So we're in John for a while, we said. We're just for another week, perhaps, before we begin Esther. So we've been looking at the episode of the raising of Lazarus. But it, we haven't gone through the whole of the Gospel, but if we had, Jesus has been doing a series of miracles that John, the author of this book, has been selecting. And that's the important thing here. John has selected special, well, individual miracles that he felt were pointing towards his message. Hey, let me ask you, I just read that, so, well, uh, let me tell you, rather, where we're going. We want to ask why John is recording this series of miracles that Jesus is doing. What's it about? What's his point? Where is he going? What's his story? So that's what we're trying to do, pin together why John has selected these particular miracles, what he wants to tell us. Our heading is this, okay? The dead are raised. So, like I said, this is the fourth in this mini-series on chapter 11. Our heading today is the dead are raised. So Jesus is standing now. This is the scene. He's standing outside a tomb, okay? Within this tomb lay the body of a dead man, Lazarus. How long has he been dead? Four days in a hot Middle Eastern climate. By now, there's advanced decompos decomposition. I mean, this is quite a serious scenario. Jesus is standing there. The stone is rolled over the tomb. And it's sealed to try and keep, you know, you know, what's happening inside at bay. Jesus prays briefly to his father and then says these words in verse 43 of chapter 11. Jesus said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Now hold that in tension, if you would, for a minute. We, this is the scene, and we're going to return to it. I want to just take you on a bit of a trip. So far in chapter 5, we had the reading last week, when, uh, who read last week? Your memory is probably better than mine. Who read last week? Somebody read. Graham. Graham read last week, and he read these words. You may remember them. I, from chapter 5, I tell you the truth, the time is coming and has now come when the dead, and I want you to hear this, this is Jesus speaking, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Can you hear what Jesus is saying? The time is coming when the dead, okay, this is real, will hear the voice of the Son of God. And here's what he's saying. That a time is coming, and it sounds bizarre, but a time is coming in our world when all those who have died, the dead, that includes our dear friend who passed away recently, George, all the dead will hear the voice of Jesus. And hearing it, this is what Jesus said will happen, their dead bodies will rise, however decomposed they are, in however many pieces they may be in, their dead bodies will rise, their souls will be reunited with them, and they will live. They will once again be alive. And, and the Bible is quite clear, and Jesus is clear here, that those who believe in Jesus will rise to exist with Jesus on a new paradise planet, heaven we call it, and some will rise who have rejected Jesus to face judgment. That's a sobering thing. So coming back to chapter 11, 
It almost seems out of sync, what's happening at Lazarus' tomb. Why do I say it's out of sync, what Jesus is doing at Lazarus' tomb? Why is that out of sync? Yes, because this isn't the resurrection day. You see, Jesus says a day is coming when everyone in their graves will hear his voice and rise, either to live on a new earth or to face his judgment. But now he's about to raise this man from his, de from his death. It's out of sync, because this isn't the day. This isn't the end. And so this is something that's not quite timed, and it's why some commentators have said, had not Jesus said Lazarus, had not Jesus used Lazarus' name and just said, come forth, what may have happened? Seriously. And that's not a joke. It's not even funny. I know we laugh, but it's absolutely true. Had Jesus not said Lazarus, had he not been that specific, perhaps every dead would have come to Jesus, heard his voice, and come out of every tomb. So Jesus is very specific because this isn't the resurrection. This is before it. It's an individual specific part of his ministry. He says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man comes out. So, look, we're just moving on beyond that verse there, uh, Nikki. I've got a couple of slides I want to show. These are some of Jesus' miracles that he's done to date. He's turned water into wine. Let me just point some of these out to you. He's raised, uh, was healed, the official son. He's, this picture on my right here, what's he done here? He's calmed a storm. He's healed a paralytic. He, he will do in John 9 later. Can you see what's happening with this guy here? He's blind. He will heal a blind man. He's fed 5,000, probably 20,000 with women and kids uh, with, with just five loaves and two fish and he's just raised Lazarus to, to life. So Jesus, this is what Jesus has done. He's done many other things. We know that. John tells us at the end he's done so many miracles that if you recorded every one of them the books of the world wouldn't be able to contain them. But John has selected these and here's the point. Why? What do these miracles, these specific ones, or all of Jesus' miracles really, what do they tell us? What do they point to? What is John getting at? What does he want us to know? Why has he gone through the effort of writing this book? What's John telling us? Someone have a go. I won't embarrass you. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Yeah, yeah, well, 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 well okay, if that's not the answer. That's only part of the answer. Yeah, yeah, thank you, Nikki. Yeah, yeah, you're giving them a cheat. Look, partly and ultimately, the reason John has selected these miracles is because they tell us that Jesus is the Messiah. He's God's anointed king. He's God. They do. And that is the end product. That is the final revelation of what Jesus is doing, what he's doing. He wants us to know that God has entered our world. And therefore he has authority to speak. That he's interested in our world. He's interested in you. Hey, let me tell you afresh. If you forget it during the week, I forget it all the time. Jesus is interested in you. 
Seriously. It's why he came. He took a lot of effort to come. He, he left heaven. He entered a human body. Lived the life of poverty. It was a lot of effort. And he wants you to know that he came because of you. And, and so ultimately the miracles are about revealing who Jesus is. But, but there's something more. Someone else have a go. This is a harder one. They're telling us something more. Something about what Jesus is coming achieves. Anybody? And look, this is a harder one. And it's to do with the reading that Nikki read for us. And you're thinking, that was a long time ago, Montez. <laughs> There's something else. I'll tell you. Yes, Catherine. I'm just thinking, is there, is, there, is there another cheat up there? No more cheats, okay? It is Catherine. Say that again. Yes, that's exactly it. You, you, Sid, she can have the job, okay? <laughs> really, that is exactly where we're going. It is, look, here's Luke eleven twenty. Thank you, Catherine. If I drive, so Jesus is driving out demons now. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then what's happened? What's Jesus saying? If I'm driving out demons, okay, let me ask you, uh, who's in charge of demons? The devil. So when there's demon, demonic activity, Who's, what's it telling you about who's in charge, who's around, who's doing his stuff? The devil. Okay, hey, and let me tell you this. I don't want to sound like a fanatic here. But demons are still real today. Okay? Demons are still real today. And so Jesus is saying, look, if I can cast out demons, if I can come into the realm that the devil, Satan, is operating, and if I can apprehend him, if I can undo his work, if I can release people that are in his slavery, in his bondage, what's that telling you, says Jesus? What's that telling you? Freedom. His kingdom. The kingdom. The God's kingdom has come. Let me tell you what that means. It can sometimes sound like gibberish. You may be sitting there thinking, okay, yeah, but what does, that, what does that mean? I wish you'd tell me. What's, his, what's the point of having this fellow if he doesn't explain anything? Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the point, right? Let me take you right back to Eden. Eden is the first earthly kingdom of God. What, what does that mean? If Eden is the first kingdom of God beyond heaven, what are we saying? What does that mean? If, if Eden is the kingdom of God, what's that telling you? It's perfect. God's kingdom is perfect. What else? God's presence is there in his kingdom. What else? It's, it's God's creation. His kingdom is his creation. His presence is there. Okay? It's where his reign. The kingdom is really to do with reign, isn't it? It's where God's reign is felt. And wherever God's reign is, there's perfection. There's everlasting life. God is a really rubbish God if he made things to die. Who would do that? Who would do that? How cruel is that? That he makes something just to die. So, 
God's kingdom in heaven is something that lasts forever. It's where his presence is. It's a happy place. Right? It's where everything is wonderful. When everything tastes great. When everything feels great. When it's great to be in. Hey, how much do you think Adam and Eve enjoyed Eden? I mean, if you were right in Eden, is that thunder? What happened to the 41 degree day? <laughs> oh, it's still going, is it? Okay, so look, look. here's the thing. If, if, if God's reigning, I mean, what, if, if Adam was rating Eden, what do you think he'll give it out of 10? 10. At least. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and so that's the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, all that changed when Adam and Eve, look, ate from that tree. And Jesus says to them afterwards, because you ate from it, because you, you rejected the one command I gave you, you will surely die. All of creation from that juncture came into a place of death. Trees began dying. Animals began dying. Okay. People began dying. The cosmos began dying. You know that universe is burning out? Everything began dying. It was an upheaval, an up, sorry, a reversal of everything that God had done. It was no longer the perfect kingdom of God. It was now becoming the kingdom of who? And, and Corinthians tells us, well, 2 Corinthians 4, it's now becoming the kingdom of who? Satan. In 2 Corinthians 4, Jesus says through Paul that the, the God of this world is the devil. He's reigning here. That's why there's havoc. That's why there's evil. That's why there's suffering. That's why there's pain. That's why there's no doubt lightning and thunder. That's not a good thing if you're standing underneath it. Okay. That's why there's death. It's a place where now it's the kingdom of Satan. Look, I don't know, it's a horrible thought, but it's a real thought that this world transitioned from being the kingdom of God to the kingdom of the devil. Now, that doesn't mean God let, let completely go of it. He's ultimately king, but he became, at least locally, the kingdom of the devil. Wherever the devil was present, his kingdom is real. But here's the thing, God promised, right in Genesis 3, that though that was going to be the reality, something would change in the future. Genesis 3.15 says these words, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now we know something of what that means now because we, we've been living so long. I mean, just look at Lee. We've been living so long. Okay, he's going to probably say, well, look at yourself, man. In the mirror. Okay, Lee, I get the point. Okay, what does that verse mean? What's going on in that verse? Genesis 3. What is going to happen in the future? He's talking about Jesus. He is. And what's Jesus going to do? He's going to win. Over who? The devil. He's saying right at the beginning, everything's going to just change now. Everything's going to change. The world's going to increasingly become chaotic. Not increasingly get better. Get this through your head, Christian. We are not going to make this world better. Do we get that? Uh, that doesn't mean we shouldn't 
I try to achieve some kind of calm. But everything's going to get worse. But eventually Jesus will come and he'll make things better. In Deuteronomy 18, he says something similar. That God's going to raise up a prophet. When he comes, we're to listen to him. And Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came, says these words. That they're, not from, they're not for Isaiah, they're by Isaiah, but they're for Jesus. says these words. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach Good news to the poor. Now it is raining. Okay? Uh, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, to release from darkness prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. Can you see what Jesus is going to do when he comes? He's going to bring kingdom Rain. Not rain. Okay? Rain. It's spelled differently. Have two different impacts. Okay, can you still hear me? You sure? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, you tell me with you more, please, because I, I can hardly hear myself. Uh, this is real tropical stuff. So, when Jesus comes, he's going to bring the kingdom. And then in Luke 4, when he did come, yeah, close the door with you. Hey, somebody put the roof on. If you've got a convertible car, you better go and see to it. Yeah, really. Yeah, I didn't know you had a convertible, Bron. Uh, but if you've got a convertible car, go and see to it. So here's the thing. There's all these predictions about Jesus coming and reversing the state of our world. And then in Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, Jesus comes. He's a man now who's grown up okay, in oblivion. But now he goes to the synagogue in his hometown and he says these words, remarkable words. Listen to these. He was given a scroll. It was a prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll. They didn't have Bibles like we do now. It was in a scroll. Okay. And he began reading and he read these words from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. Look, I'm standing up. You're sitting down. Back in those days, what, do, what was the protocol? Does anybody know? Yeah, the listeners stood. You guys stand, okay? I'm going to sit. The, the, the listeners stood, seriously, and the speaker sat down. Okay, so Jesus, having read, okay, to read, sat down, okay, and it says these words. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What's Jesus saying? What's he saying? He's saying... What's he saying about the kingdom? He's saying... The kingdom of God... is coming... is beginning... with me. That's his point. Today... in your hearing... the kingdom of God... is coming. And so then what did he do for the next three years? What did he show for the next three years? What did he demonstrate for the next three years? That the kingdom of God is coming. He went everywhere for the length and breadth of Israel, up and down the country, demonstrating that the kingdom of God is coming. He was uprooting the devil. 
If you like, if, if you can imagine, if this is Satan's kingdom, this, this, this room, and if this area where you're sitting is Satan's kingdom, and look, please don't take this personally, but if each of you are an example of Satan's stronghold, Satan's reign in the drug world, in, in, in the world of, of chaos, in the world of whatever else, okay, if this is a picture, what was Jesus doing when he came? He was coming and he was turfing out the people. He was casting out demons. He, he was opening eyes that are blind. I mean, what has being blind got to do with Satan's kingdom and Jesus' kingdom? Because if you're in Jesus' kingdom, would you be blind? No. no. So he was opening blind eyes. When he went to the temple, he turned it upside down because what were they doing there? They were profiteering from worship. Seriously, they were profiteering from worship. You're sitting there thinking, that's what they do here. They get our money off us when we worship God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're not profiteering here. We're just trying to run the church. There, is, there are no prophets here. As we said before, we're not even breaking even. So we're not profiteering, okay? okay? We're just trying to run the church so that we can have the gospel preached. So we can reach our community. So that we can have a place to worship. So that we can help the poor. So that we can donate to Christian charities. That, that's why we raise money. But, but here's the point. Jesus is turning the world upside down. Because whose world was it? The devil's. And Jesus is, if, if you like, reclaiming his rightful place on our planet as its rightful, felt, experienced king. Hey, look, COVID-19 has been ravaging our world, hasn't it? Uh, fortunately for us, here in South Australia at least, uh, we've by and large been protected from it. They're working on a vaccine and they think they've got one. It's going to be, apparently it's going to be rolled out in December, uh, at least starting there in the UK. See, if that works, what does it do to the kingdom of COVID? It does. It begins to turn it upside down. It begins to unleash its tentacles. It begins to bring the reign of wellness to our world. Okay? When Jesus comes and he begins to do these miracles begins to turn people's lives back the right way around. What he's doing is demonstrating that his kingdom, his reign is coming afresh to our world. And so when he stood outside the tomb, outside Lazarus' tomb, and said those words, Lazarus, come out! Who was he battling with? That was a battle. Who did he? When he said those words, he entered a confrontation. Okay, who was he confronting? The devil! Okay, and here's the thing. He was confronting the devil, taking the devil on, on whose territory? Where was Jesus fighting from? On the territory of the devil. He came down into it. You remember when David took on Goliath? Whose territory did he take him on? on? Goliath. He ran to meet Goliath. On Goliath's territory. You see, Goliath is a picture of the devil. David is a picture of Jesus. Jesus. So let me tell you one thing. Junior school teachers, 
Okay, you are not little Davids. Okay, there's only one David, it is Jesus. So we teach our kids, Jesus is David. The Goliath is the bad person. Jesus defeats him. Who are we in the David and Goliath story? Who are we? Hard one. No, who are we? If David is Jesus, Goliath is the devil, who are we? The army. Thank you, Michael. We are the rest of the Israelites. So after David defeats Goliath, after Jesus defeats the devil, what did the rest of Israel do? Follow after. And did the mopping up operation. Why are we going to, on the 27th of November, go and speak to our community about Jesus and give our leaflets and invite them to church? Because we are the mopping up crew. Do you get that? So be here, please. Okay, we don't want the army back at the camp, eating the sandwiches, when some of them are going forth, clearing up after Jesus. Jesus has given, up, given us the mopping up operation, you see, after defeating Goliath. So here's Jesus. He's on the devil's territory. He's in a tomb that the devil owns. If there was a signpost outside the tomb, it would be this, owned by Satan. Jesus stands outside it, says, take the, take the, uh, the, the stone away. That is, let me at him. That's what he's saying. Let me at him. The stone is rolled away and he takes on the devil head on when he says. And the loud voice is, an, is a voice of anger. Okay? Lazarus! Can you see what he's doing? He's saying, I don't care who's holding you back, Lazarus. I'm telling you, you get out of here. And what did the devil do? How, how effective was the devil at resisting Jesus? No, Because what happened to Lazarus? He came out. He came out. Can you see what Jesus was doing? He was reclaiming his kingdom. Saying, I am the boss here. I reign here. And when he speaks, when he speaks, how much of a fight? How, how wounded? How wounded did Jesus come out of that? Okay, when he speaks, the devil shuts up. Do you know that? When Jesus speaks, the devil is silent. And Lazarus comes out. So here's the point. Here's where our sermon is going. Our time is finished. And this is the point for us. Jesus, is, Jesus' kingdom is here. He said it's near in places. He says it's within us. It's in our world. Jesus' reign is here, isn't it? Jesus' reign is felt in his world. It's felt here. This is the place where Jesus is reigning because we are, we are elements of his kingdom, of people called out from the world, gathered together to live at peace, to do his work. And though there's anarchy, and we may be sitting here thinking, yeah, but Jesus' kingdom's here, Montez, but there's so much anarchy and upheaval still out there. Yes, 
Because what is the army still to do after Goliath was dead? Do the cleanup. Why do we take the gospel? Why do we send missionaries to outer Mongolia? Why do we do that? To mop up. Why do we support Empire? Do you know we give a tenth, the church here gives a tenth of its annual income to Empire to do. Why do we do that? Do you know that's thousands and thousands of dollars? Why do we do that? So that Empire and its workers can do what in India? The mopping up operation to spread the word. It's why we do it. You see, there is anarchy still. There is uh, sadness still. There is pain. There are viruses still. It's because, because there's pockets of Satan's power still at work. And the job of the church is to take his kingdom into this world. And so Jesus and Lazarus' resurrection is showing us is that there's hope for our world. There's hope for illness. There's hope for cancer. There's hope for the pain and suffering of our world. Because Jesus' kingdom, like a, like a virus, if you like, is spreading across this globe and made impact fully. One day, when Jesus finally returns, when he calls the dead to rise, he will then establish his physical presence on this world. And the whole world, in every part, down to the very minutest atom, will come under the full reign of Jesus. That means you and I, Lee, will look young and handsome. Seriously. Oh, well, you, know, you know, one of us more than the other, obviously. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It means that. It means our bodies will be wonderful again. We will be wonderful. And so, let me leave you with that. The kingdom of God will come in his fullness when Jesus returns. It's begun now. May we see more of that in our lives and in our worlds. Amen.